Hi to all my listeners out there. I'm taking a summer break. In the meantime, here's part of one of our episodes from this past year. Sylvia and me. Sylvia and me. Sylvia and Sylvia and me. Hi, my name is Melissa Burton. I am a high school English teacher and producer of the film Period End of Sentence, which won an Academy Award in 2019 for Best Documentary Short about menstrual equity, about the placement of a pad machine in a rural village in India, a sanitary pad making machine. I'm thrilled to be here. Hi, I'm Anita Diamond. Um, I am the author of several books. The most recent one is Period End of Sentence, the new chapter in the fight for menstrual equity, a book which came about because um, Melissa Burton and the Pad Project uh, in the after the afterglow of the, the Academy Award win contacted me to ask if I would be interested in writing a book inspired by their wonderful movie. And that's why I'm here today. And we are here at Sylvia and Me. Melissa, Anita, thank you so much for being with me uh, today and taking the time because this is so important. And most of us don't even realize that, um, you know, especially women in my, you know, in, in my day, uh, you know, you got your period, you got your period. No one really ever talked about it. We talked about it as being our friend. Uh, not many of us used the word curse at, at that time, but it's been known by many things. Before we start, I want to go over some amazing statistics, which I know that both of you have talked about, and Anita, you have them in, in the book. Uh, so if you let me, because I think that these need to be known. Uh, period poverty statistics. Many in the U.S. are forced to make a terrible choice between buying food or menstrual products. A uh, 2019 study in St. Louis found that two-thirds of respondents, all of whom were low-income women, had not been able to afford period products at least once in the last year. And um, I support the girls, an organization with 50 U.S. and foreign international affiliates, reported a 35% increase in requests for products since the start of the pandemic. Uh, when you talk about students and the menstruation, Across the U.S., only 21% of elementary schools, uh, school students are taught about puberty, which means that many do not learn about menstruation until after their first period. One in five teens struggle to afford or not been able to purchase period products. 25% of teens have missed classes due to lack of access to menstrual products. This is the great one, the tampon tax. The tampon tax refers to the tax on tampons and menstrual products, which categorizes them as unnecessary or luxury items. They definitely are luxury. 30 <laughs> out of 50 states make tamp tampons subject to sales tax. In some states like Missouri, tampons are taxed at the highest luxury tax rate. Every state has a list of items that they deem as necessary. An example, Georgia has a tax on tampons, but not tattoos. Wisconsin has a tax on tampons, but not gun uh, memberships. Uh, and the price of menstruation is huge, which I'll let you gals go into. So the first thing I want to uh, go into, Melissa, 
the PAD project. Can you tell us how that started? Because you're an English teacher. <laughs> so, I would, be, yeah. I would be glad to. I realized that in my self introduction, I neglected to say that I'm the executive director for the PAD project, um, which began because I went with a group of students to the United Nations to serve as delegates to the Commission on the Status of Women where you can be as young as 16 years old. And so my students were, they were in 11th grade. And um, we were there to advocate for equal access to education for all genders. It's through a program called Girls Learn International for which I was the faculty advisor. And it was there that we learned about this issue that you were speaking of in your stats of period poverty. Um, that phrase, period poverty, actually was not even a phrase when my students and I first learned about um, girls and people around the world not having access to products or reproductive health education or a clean and safe way to manage their periods. And so we learned about it. We determined we were going to do something about it. We were in a partnership at the time with a Girls Learn International chapter in India with a nonprofit called Action India. Um, they had a community uh, that they were working with in the rural village of Kathikara in northern India who wanted a pad machine. And we also learned about Murugananthan, the inventor of the pad machine. And so we decided we were going to fundraise. We were going to do whatever it took. Uh, so some years in the making, but we managed to fundraise to get a machine to our partner community in northern India and also to get a young director, Rika Zatabshi, um, and a production crew in India to film it. Okay. And when you accepted the Academy Award, because from that you produced and directed period, end of sentence. In your Correct. acceptance, you said a period should end a sentence, not a girl's education. You said it, yeah. And yes, that's true, <laughs> because who could imagine some of the things, as I said, you know, when I opened, um, in my day, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a known thing that maybe you didn't have any, you, you know, we would run out, yes. Um, maybe the school had a, uh, not a tampon machine, Every you know, they, they had a machine in the bathroom, but you needed a quarter. You, you needed money in order to get something that was a necessity. So you turn to Anita, from what I, to go further with this. And Anita, did you have any qualms about digging into this? Um, I didn't have qualms. I had actually written some, uh, some op-eds about uh, menstrual inequality, um, both abroad and also um, locally. And I had been inspired by a local teenager who in her high school newspaper had written an, uh, an editorial saying that there should be free products in her in the bathroom in her school, just like there's free toilet paper. And so it had been on my mind and I tend to write about women's issues, women's health, women's well-being. And so, um, so I said, yes, what I didn't have any idea was, was the scope of this subject and how many aspects and how many, uh, what the history and um, the diversity of need and the diversity of problems 
and the intersection of so many problems around menstruation. So it was a little overwhelming once I started digging into it. So the challenge was figuring out how to get my arms around such a large subject, but in a way that was succinct and would um, get people to read from the beginning to the end of it. <laughs> well, I think you managed to do that. And some of the things that you went into, um, to me, are just absolutely amazing. Can you go uh, talk about a little bit of uh, the history and some of the, the myths, almost like the voodoo? I mean, there's, there's, there are people in segments of civilization who uh, think that when women get their period, they are evil and they need to be put someplace else for the time that they have it. Can you go into some of those stories that are um, frightening? Um, well, I don't think that women are considered evil. I think they're considered um, that they there is a period of time where they pollute, they're potentially polluting everything around them. This is a very old idea and it's um, present in civilizations around the world. In most world religions, in fact, uh, tend to stigmatize women when they're on their period that they, they will, if you have a menstruating woman, she will curdle milk if she gets too close to it, the crops will wither, uh, and so on and so forth. And the, these ideas continue to this day. In some parts of the world, within great danger, there are some communities where women and girls, when they have their periods, are sequestered or sent out from their homes to sort of subsist for the course of their periods in really terrible conditions. For more, you can find Sylvia and me wherever you listen to your podcasts or go to www.sylviaandme.com. As they say, see you in September.